We're recording? We're good? Y yes. I see the numbers moving. Slate. Great. Now I have Seth MacFarlane in my head. Thanks. Welcome back to the Red Dragon Sessions. With me, as always, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, is Bob. Hello. Hey, Bob. How are you doing today? Good. Good? It's nice to see you. It's good to see you, too. It's always fun to come in here. Yes. Great. You're always doing well. You have to, you know. That's the hustle. Well, I mean, I think you should always try to be well. <laughs> you should, yeah. I mean, I yeah. feel like even if things are shit, there's something that's well in there. So I think you can be people can be good at shit. There are plenty of people out there that are good at shit. I mean, what I mean is like <laughs> there's always something good in something, you know, there so is, yes. So you can be well in that part. Just own that piece. Right. So I'm owning the sunshine, man. Sweet. <laughs> Sweet. I love it. This is why you're this is why Bob is here. Today's story is about a dude that I dated in Nashville when I was in college. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm going to just tell you about it because it's a, it's a really good story and I love it. So, so the, this guy that you're dating in. I dated this guy in Nashville. I moved to Nashville in uh, 1995 or 94. When did I move? In the fall of 1995, I moved to Nashville and I had a job at a, a telemarketing place people, where people would cold call and you would like get their info and try to sell them something over the phone. Um, so I had a job there and I met Earl at this place and he was cute. You know, it wasn't, you know, he was, he was kind of adorable in his own way. And, um, okay. Yeah. I'm lying. He was hot. He was totally hot. Um, so I moved to Nashville, um, and I took a semester off to sort of like get myself established. So I had left junior college in St. Louis area and I moved to Nashville for a semester. And then I was going to start school at Belmont in January of 96. So I'm in this semester window where I'm like just trying to find myself and get myself some roots in Nashville and, and find my feet so I can be strong and like walk into Belmont and just boom, knock out school like crazy trains. So, so uh, I met Earl at, uh, at this call center place and um, he and I hit it off really well. We kind of like flirted back and forth or whatever. And then we started to date. Um, and he was originally from a, a, a rural area in another state. Um, and he seemed like a really nice guy and everything. So we we dated about six months off and on. It wasn't really serious. We weren't, there wasn't like this exclusivity at that point. We weren't really exclusive or whatever, but we just sort of like, okay, it was booty calls. Let's just be honest. It was just booty call kind of stuff. We weren't really dating. It was, you know, yeah. Um, if we're going to tell the truth, we're going to tell the truth. Yeah. So might've been an actual date or two in there, but let's just tell the truth. It was, it was just a booty call situation. We were friends. 
So, um, so Earl and I, we, we have this little song and dance for about six months or so. And then, um, he kind of like dropped off the planet for a minute. I wasn't, I, I had started school at Belmont and I wasn't, you know, working at that place anymore. I had another, I had two other jobs, actually I was working. Um, so I wasn't, we weren't working in the same place anymore. We didn't see each other much, but he sort of dropped off the planet and I sort of, you know, didn't care because I had my own thing going. So that was, that was that. Um, I wasn't really invested in him in a relationship way. So it wasn't that big of a deal. So then one day, one night, actually about, uh, 10 30, 11 o'clock at night, um, Earl shows up on my doorstep, no call, I mean, we're, you know, 95, early 96. So cell phones, you know, texting's not really, I mean, people still had beepers, stuff like that. So, you know, it wasn't like a, you know, text messaging kind of thing. There was no social media, like, you know. So he's basically, I hadn't seen him or heard from him in about a month. And so he just shows up on my door one Saturday night. And I'm like, okay, hey, man, how's it going? And of course, we talked and drank and then, did things that two people do when somebody shows up at your door at 11 o'clock at night. We did that. Um, and so he told me about how, um, how he had spent some time uh, with his family in another state and how, uh, you know, he had gotten frustrated and he had come back to the Nashville area where his mom lived. Um, and I, you know, he was going to move back in with her and he was going to try to, he was going to try to get back into bluegrass music. He was really big into the bluegrass scene and trying to break through there. An incredibly talented guitar player, mm-hmm. I should say. Very, very talented guitar player and uh, and bluegrass singer. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he played down at the Station Inn a lot, which is a like the the go-to place for bluegrass in Nashville. Still is. It's an amazing venue really small, intimate place. Very cool. And that's who Earl was around Nashville. He wasn't well known as a bluegrass musician because there are a lot of bluegrass musicians in Nashville, but he was, he was out there trying, he was working his hustle. Um, and he played at the, at the uh, station in a few times. So, you know, here we are the next morning, Sunday morning, and mind you, I'm not really vested in this, but I do have some rules. I do have, I, you know, I have a few rules. And, and possibly one of those rules is that your mom probably shouldn't be calling me early on Sunday morning wondering where the hell you are. <laughs> Boundaries, anybody? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I'm, you know, we're, we're friends. We know each other we can acknowledge each other's existence around town and at, at an event or something without there being a thing, you know, and still have this like booty call thing on the side. And that's where I thought we were. No, we weren't because that Sunday morning was actually, um, I got a phone call from his mom who was like, Hey, have, have you seen, have you seen Earl? And I was like, who is this? He was like, Oh, this is his mama. And I was like, Oh, hi. Mama Earl, um, uh, yeah, he's he's here, actually. Do you, you want me to wake him up or something? And she's like, oh, no, no, it's all right. Um, he was just, uh, he, he, well, 
she's like, I don't really know how to explain this to you. And I'm like, well, I just start talking. It, it, it's fine. Like he and I are friends. We're not in a relationship or anything. I mean, I don't want to like, you know, I don't know what's happening and I'm not in a relationship with him. Why is, why is his mom calling me? <laughs> I got no clue. So uh, she says, well, um, he disappeared yesterday. Uh, he was supposed to get married yesterday. What? And uh, he, he didn't show up. And people thought it was on his way back to my house. And I was like, well, uh, that's interesting. Um, he didn't say anything to me about it, but um, you can be sure I'll ask him about it when he wakes up, which will be very soon. <laughs> and uh, I said, what, you know, and she goes, well, yeah, she said, well, um, he was engaged. He's been engaged to this girl uh, for, you know, a, about a year. No overlap there. What? No overlap whatsoever. Which brings me to one of my other rules, which is like, look, I might be a booty call, but I'm not I'm not the other woman. There's booty call and then there's, you know, I'm your hoe on the side. I'm not a hoe on the side. <laughs> no, you are not. <laughs> I am not. You're not a hoe on the side. Um, you know, we can have whatever relationship between us we have, but you know, being the other woman, that's like another thing. Like you have turned me into something else. And I, I refuse to be that, uh, always have always will. So I'm, I'm, you know, rather shocked. I'm, you know, it's a lovely Sunday morning in Nashville. It's a beautiful day. I've like sitting out on my balcony with coffee and I'm like suddenly dealing with Earl's mom. Like, wow. I thought my, I thought I had my shit together, you know? And she, she is completely understanding that I am clueless, that I am as flabbergasted as she is. And so she's like, okay. She's like, just send him my way. I will, I will take care of anything. Just send him my way. And I was like, okay, this, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Cause ain't my bucket of shit. I need to wash my hands of this whole situation. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> that was such a farm comment like <laughs> you're up on a farm or something i did ain't my bucket of shit i'm it's telling my, you it's my is <laughs> is my farm showing a little bit it's all Sorry. right it's all right well you know it is earl it is bluegrass it, it is, is a pretty, and it is a bucket of shit it is a bucket of shit yeah oh you just wait so um so I, I hung up the phone with his mom and I start to look around and evaluate the situation. There's a backpack with a few clothes in it. There's his guitar that's sitting there. Um, and then there's Earl naked in my bed. None of which I want in my house any longer. And most of which, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not normally a vengeful bitch, but I was feeling like, seriously, dude, really, really, really. So I just like got all my, all my vengefulness on 
in this moment. And so I, I did what any good Southern woman would do. I made breakfast. <laughs> did not see the story going there. <laughs> I, I, I look, if I know anything about Southern men, I know that the smell of bacon will get their ass out of bed. So I made some eggs and some bacon. I was hungry. So fuck it. And, um, and of course, you know, Earl wanders out of the bedroom in his underwear and I'm like, okay. So we go out and where I lived at the time, uh, was if you came in the front door of our building, we were on the ground floor, little parking area on one side. And if you came in on that side, we were on the ground floor. When you walk through the apartment, straight through the apartment to the balcony, we were actually on the third floor. Mm. So we were, you know, three stories up because we were built, the building was built onto a cliff. That's pretty rad. So it's three stories. And then there was like a little, a little landing area on where the first floor or the bottom floor of the building had a little, their little patio area. But then the cliff continued down all the way down to Old Hickory Boulevard with like lots of trees. It was wooded. It was really pretty. It was a, it wasn't like thick woods. It was a little sparse. You could always see the cars coming up the road, all this kind of thing. It was really, really beautiful. And you could see Nashville in the distance, you know, it was really lovely. So we're about three, we're about three stories up, but by the time you get to the bottom of the ravine, we're about five stories up total. Quite, quite high up there, actually. Quite high up, actually. Yes. Very high up. If anything were to fall off, it was gone. Forever. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Uh-huh. If you got some distance on it, it was really gone. It could land in a tree. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Like to set the stage like that. If, if you as a listener are having a dark sense of foreboding, you're having it at the right time. So, <laughs> so I set up like I've got coffee out on the balcony on my little card table and my chairs out there. I mean, it wasn't very big, but you know, I'm making do. I'm living my life in Nashville, you know? So uh, I've got coffee out there and, and some eggs and bacon. And so I sit down and I was like, oh, hey, Earl, uh, you should know. Uh, your mom called looking for you. She said uh, she was expecting you at her house last night. And he was like, oh, yeah, I uh, I just got really tired driving. And and just, you know, because it's like another half an hour to her place. And I really wanted to see you. You bet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know, right? I, giant eye roll. Um, almost broke my eyes doing that eye roll. So I was like, oh, okay, that's nice. And so then I, I just decided, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I had no patience for bullshit at all. I've developed patience for dramatic effect now on people, but at the time I had none. So I go back into the house and um, I, uh, I grabbed his backpack and his clothes that were in my bedroom and I threw them off the balcony. Like whoosh right by his just face. Swing. He's got like a piece of bacon in his mouth, and you're like, swing. I I don't know what he was <laughs> doing. <laughs> I, just, I just I hurled the backpack and all of his clothes off the balcony, and he just kind of 
watched things fly out of my hand and through the air. And he was like, um, I'm guessing you had a little bit of a longer conversation with my mom. And I said, yes, yes, I did. I did. And he was like, well, you know, I did it. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, you know, you showed up on my doorstep engaged to another woman that you apparently left at the altar yesterday. And that is not kosher by any stretch of the imagination. And then he tried to feed me some line about, I was thinking of you or something. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, oh God. Yeah. No, 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 no. So then his car keys were still in the apartment. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, yeah. So I went and I grabbed the car keys off the counter and I just did the best like baseball pitch off the balcony ever into the wooded ravine. (laughs) Still, he is trying to reason with me. He's not like racing down the hill for his clothes or his car keys or anything. He's like still like trying to like find some sort of common ground here. And I was like, oh, oh, I'm going to get your naked ass running from this apartment. I was livid. So then I went for the guitar. Mm -hmm. I went for it. It was a beautiful acoustic um, epiphone, a nice little guitar wasn't like anything crazy. It wasn't very, it wasn't that expensive. You know, she wasn't that expensive, but I, I knew her to, at least from what he had told me, whether he had lied about it or not was in question, but from what he had told me, it did have some sentimental value, but this is something I would never normally do. Like I would never normally go for violence against a a guitar, I think is like, (laughs) (sighs) you know, it hurt. It didn't hurt in the moment, but after I did it, I really was like, oh God, what the fuck did I do? But I I grabbed her and uh, I grabbed her by the neck. I know it sounds really bad. I'm talking about a guitar here. I grabbed her by the neck and I just stood back and just like you would swing a baseball bat, I just swung her and let go. And she hit a tree and then she crashed down to the ground, five stories. Wow. And yeah. into a million pieces. Yeah. And he about went off the balcony after her. And he like climbed over the table, ran out the door and down the ravine. Barefoot in his Barefoot boxes. in his, in his under, no, he had tidy whities so. Which is kind of epic. Um, and, he had, and, and he had a mullet. So it was great. It was a full-on redneck moment. Wow. Yeah. The image just got like <laughs> times 10 national. I know. Or like, yeah. <laughs> Ladies, if you think you have dated some scumbags, you have never dated a tidy whitey wearing mullet boy in your life that left his woman at the altar. So I, I have flown, she has smashed, he has run out the door. So then I conveniently locked my apartment door. So he cannot get back into my apartment. So I proceeded to watch, and my neighbors, 
my next door neighbors on the side and the people, the two houses underneath me and the apartment above me, we proceeded to sit there and watch him for like 20 to 30 minutes root around <laughs> in the ravine. Barefoot. <laughs> Barefoot in his tidy whities <laughs> Trying to pull together. There were clothes in the trees. And, and he's like trying to find his keys and stuff. And I don't think he ever found his keys, but he did find some clothes and managed to put on some clothes. He managed to put on some pants and he found a shirt. But it was, you know, it was kind of wet and okay in the ravine. So it's not like, yeah. No, it was what time great. of year was it? It was in the fall. Okay. So it could have been a little chilly. Yeah. A little bit. I don't think it was. I don't remember it being that chilly, but. Yeah, you because know, we were sitting out on the balcony having breakfast. He wasn't in his underwear there. So it wasn't like cold, cold. But but meanwhile, this is without, there's no yelling or anything. It's, oh, no, I'm not yelling. I mean, this, he's, this is, he's yelling. He's like, okay, God so, damn it. Like, what the hell, bitch? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, where are my keys? And, where, and I'm just sitting on the balcony with my coffee. Uh, and my, you know, and my neighbors and I, we're like talking back to each other. I'm talking to the guys downstairs. I'm like, Hey guys, how you doing? And they're like, Oh my God, this is so much entertainment on a Sunday. I'm like, you are welcome. <laughs> like, I'm just having a conversation with my neighbors and we're all just out there on our balconies enjoying the show. Guess what? Karma. It bites you back. I know. Right. Yeah. So Earl. Yeah. And, um, I do remember, oh, and his cell phone was down there somewhere too. His little, his, his little crappy cell phone was down there. His, I guess it had to have been, a, there was only Motorola at the time, wasn't there? Was there anything else? I think was there, there was even a, Motorola? I think there was a Nokia flip phone. But I don't even think it was a flip phone. I think it was one of those hard ones, like gray hard, like bricks. Right. Like a brick one. Nokia yeah. had, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think he may have had one of those. Mm. And uh, it was down there too. So eventually he came back up and convinced uh, he didn't, he, he came and tried to get in the apartment, um, but I didn't let him in. And he was like, can you at least call like AAA so I can get in my car and get home? I can't find my keys. And I was like, well, yes, I guess that would be the least I could do for you. And so I didn't call AAA. I called his mom and I told her what I had done. And she laughed and laughed and laughed. She loved it. And she's like, well, I have a spare set of keys. And I was like, well, can you, you know, here's my address. Because honestly, she didn't even know I existed, which I didn't necessarily expect her to because it's not like we were in a like serious relationship dating every week. You know, I was a booty call. He was a booty call to me. It was not like I did not, you know. So I gave her my address and she drove up and brought his keys and she and I shared a hug and a laugh at her son's expense. And he sped out of there like the redneck that he was. And, um, I have not seen or heard from him again in my entire life, but it was just so wonderful. Like it, it was really, really painful to watch that guitar hit the ground, but I think I struck a blow for women everywhere who have been treated like shit by a man. I just don't understand what, what he could have been thinking. Like there isn't any logic in showing up or I mean, to leave somebody at the altar, A. Well, like, I don't know that it was necessarily at the altar, but I mean, I know it was, they were supposed to get married that Saturday. So whether he left that morning or actually left her standing at the altar or whatever, I don't know. But all I know is they were supposed to get married that day and he no-showed. I mean, you hear about this like in movies, but... <laughs> 
I don't know what the fuck. Like, and, and like, how long had he been dating her? How long had they been engaged? I have no clue. I have no idea. This is just, you know, I only know what his mom told me. It was just so weird. Human nature is very interesting sometimes. I mean, how how awful to have experienced that sort of unexpected surprise. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you dealt with it in a way that... I mean, the problem with somebody like that is the, they, that kind of personality, I think, that's just what they do. Like, yeah. there's a, quite a good chance he'd probably do that again. He's a drama queen. For whatever reason. But, yeah. I mean, so it's not like, you know, you're, like, teaching him a lesson or something to not do it again. Because he'll... Oh, no. Pro- no. Probably... The only thing I taught him was to make sure he secures his shit before he goes to sleep. <laughs> That's the only thing I taught him. I'm sure. Well, I think that being vindicated in the moment, you know, I mean, I feel like uh, you... I, 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 Bob, I, you're speechless. I wouldn't have been able to do... Like, I would have not been that composed... Like, I wouldn't have... See, I don't even feel like I was composed. I feel like I was rage monster just throwing shit off the balcony. Like, I just don't know what I would have done. Like, that was so resourceful and and also, like, hit him where it hurts, you know? And... uh, I was actually scared. I was scared for a while that he was going to show back up with the cops because I destroyed the guitar for, like, throwing his stuff. Because, I mean, technically, I did damage his property, (laughs) you know? I, I mean, that's one way to look at it. I was like, yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty scared all day that like, you know, I don't know. He could show back up and like bring charges against me for destruction of property. And, you know. Yeah. It's just so. But that feeling went away. Yeah. No, I imagine. Well, you're a responsible person. So, I mean. <laughs> yeah. This was a very ironic series of events or uh actions mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the image of the flinging the guitar whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> like it's great i mean i broke up with somebody for lying to me actually um that, that's a deal breaker for me mm-hmm. but uh i mean <laughs> this is like a whole new level of it's a level of lying that you don't expect you didn't see that one coming. I didn't see that one coming at all. <laughs> I knew that I knew the day had taken a turn though when I answered the phone and I was like, "Hey, this is Earl's mom." Like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Damn it. It did help me to become a more se- more selective about the men I saw and dated for sure. Certainly nobody named Earl since then. I'm sorry to all the Earls out there. I know all of you aren't bad, but (laughs) one of you ruined it for everybody else. Man. (laughs) I'm just like... (laughs) You just can't get the image out of your head. Well, I mean, just to, to have that presence and, you know, to really defend yourself, I think, honestly, in an appropriate way. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't think of besides telling him to get up and leave. Which... That just wasn't enough for me. Just like the get, I was just so pissed. I was, I was pissed off for my own investment in time with this person. I was pissed off because his mom was calling me. I was pissed off because, you know, like 
I had friends who had been in love and been married and my heart had been broken before and things like that. And I really felt for, I didn't know who, I, don't, I still don't know who the hell this girl was, but I felt for her because I'm like, you know, she's invested time and energy into this to want to marry you. And you're down here in Nashville being a twat waffle wank puffin with me. You've made me the, you've made me a twat waffling wank puffin as well. Oh, fuck no. Like, this just like, no. The new role didn't suit you. It did not suit me at all. And, and that it was thrust upon me with such veracity is like, you know, and I just wanted him out. Like, I'm actually quite surprised I didn't just throw everything off the balcony at that point and let him wake up to find it. Mm. I'm surprised I had the self-control to wait. But I really wanted bacon because I'm a stress eater. So, <laughs> And the urge for bacon was strong when I got off the phone with his mom. Well, and you needed a way to tempt him to wake up. Well, yeah. Cause I wanted some drama. Yeah, oh, you got it. I wanted some drama. I can just picture this whole scenario with your neighbors. <laughs> the neighbors were laughing their ass off. You know, they were loving it. They loved it. Oh, God. I can just imagine the sound of the guitar hitting <laughs> the tree and breaking and then like, falling. It didn't break when it hit the tree. Oh, it just boinged? It just boinged. And then and then it fell straight and went poosh. Mm. Like, there was, it was beautiful. It, it was beautiful and gruesome and horrible it was beautiful like a tarantino movie mm. it really was it was well executed and terrifying <laughs> well yes but was. also a little funny a little funny yeah. <laughs> a little comedy twist at the end yeah yeah actually this stuff isn't terrifying but you know what i mean yeah it's it's very gruesome very graphic yes yeah there's a lot of blood for a guitar I, I will tell you, I, I don't think I'll ever forget the sound of that guitar hitting the ground. Just wood mm -hmm. everywhere. Probably would have survived if it was a solid body electric or something. The mm -hmm. core of it might have survived. You don't think? You mm -hmm. think it just would have shattered? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gravity. <laughs> She's a bitch. You talk about an evil mistress. What is it? Nine point eight meters per second squared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. No. Yeah. By the way, there's no whistle. That must just be big bombs or heavy, heavy, heavy things. Because there was no whistle. There was just. Well, there could have been if the hole had been like at the right angle. Oh, yeah. Because the, the sound it could have been a beautiful sound. It could have been this wonderful. It could have been last song. There could have been a great strum, like if it had, if the back hadn't hit the tree, if the strings had hit the tree, mm -hmm. it could have been this like. Yeah, it could have been great. And then no, it was more like. It's probably that fast too. It's pretty fast. It wasn't a gentle lilt or anything. Gravity's a bitch. <laughs> she is. Gravity and karma. Mm -hmm. mm. When they work together. So what's the moral of that one? <laughs> the moral of that one is don't fuck around on your fiance. No kidding. Or your guitar will get thrown off a balcony. Yeah. Karma will hunt you down and find your ass, even at your mistress's house. <laughs> that didn't know that she was. That a didn't queen. even know she was a mistress. Like, I, actually, the moral of the story is an epiphone will not survive a five-story fall into the woods. If an, if an epiphone falls in the woods, it doesn't make a sound. Yes. Yes, it does. It does. 
That's the that's the that's the lesson. Bears shit in the woods and epiphones make a crashing sound yeah. from five stories up. <laughs> I think there are, I think there are other lessons in that though. I think standing up for yourself, you mm-hmm. know, and because now you'll never wonder, you know, mm-hmm. um well if I had said this or have any niggling feeling like, oh man, I wish I'd, you know, had more confidence in that moment and just said what I meant. Oh, I think I I think grabbing that guitar by the neck and hurling her off the balcony said everything for me. Yeah. I don't think there's any words that could have expressed. It's quite resourceful, actually. Like I I, I in confrontation I tend to freeze. I'm not good. Mm-hmm. I'm I get emotional. Like it just was so well played. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't emotionally invested in him at all until he fucked me over. Then I was emotionally invested. Yeah. So if I if he and I had been in a relationship, if we'd been committed, I may have acted differently. But I'm glad that we weren't because I'm glad I'm glad I threw that guitar off. <laughs> I really am. I'm sorry to Epiphone. But <laughs> I'm I'm not sorry about actually doing it. Thank you for listening to the Red Dragon Sessions.